No Canty, no Carlin. Amber Wilson and Mike Wells hanging out with you. What I learned from that rejoin there, Mike Wells, is the show's gotten a lot smarter since Canty and Carlin are not on it today. You can give us a call in the CC call-in line at Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mike Wells NFL at Amber W Sports. So we know James Harden got his deal from the Philadelphia 76ers. He left about 15 odd million dollars on the table when he opted out of his contract, signed a new deal. It is a one and one deal, a one year deal with a one year player option. And he did this in order to help the franchise secure other players. And they were able to do that because he gave them the flexibility for this upcoming season, signed players like PJ Ducker to an Uh, improve that roster. So a nice move there, a team kind of first guy move from uh, his, from Harden's camp. But what's interesting is some people now think James Harden has the pressure to win an NBA title, except for our very own Brian Windhorse actually thinks it's somebody else in the NBA that has the most pressure on him this season. Here's our ESPN NBA insider on NBA Today. Kyrie Irving is probably in that zone right now. Um, I'm not sure that Kyrie, I, I don't know how he felt about the fact that they really couldn't get much action in trade talks for him, either in a sign and trade or when he was briefly potentially on the market when Durant asked for a trade. You know, he's obviously a desired player. There are many teams that want Kyrie Irving on their roster. The question is, would all of them want to give him a four- or five-year contract? Right. And would they be in places he wants to be? Because Kyrie has, you know, has forced him his way off of teams in the past. So if Kyrie wants to control his destiny and get the contract that he, you know, wants, he's going to have to have a big year this year, and there's going to be a big bullseye on him if he stays in Brooklyn. So I thought that was really interesting from Wendy, Mike, where – Maybe it's not James Harden with the most pressure or even a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant, but Kyrie actually who has the pressure. What do you make of that? You know, I don't put the pre- I don't put a lot of pressure on James Harden. James Harden did his- James Harden did his part. He left money on the table to try to sort of 76ers can get some better talent around them. LeBron James, you know, he has pressure all the time. That's just that's because of how great he is. Kyrie put himself in this position to have to face so much pressure because of how he acts off the basketball court, how he acted last season and not wanting to be vaccinated, costing the Brooklyn Nets some games at home last year. Now, the fact that nobody is sitting there breaking their neck, trying to put the, you know, use their foot to break down the door and say, give me Kyrie, give me Kyrie, they know from a talent standpoint, off the charts, to give me Kyrie Irving, the basketball player, 24-7. But with that comes baggage. So Kyrie has to prove that he can stay out of the limelight from a negative standpoint this upcoming season if he's not traded, this be just a basketball player, an all-star, and lead Brooklyn to the playoffs so that he can get that long-term deal, whether it's in Brooklyn or somewhere else, that's where the pressure is coming from that Brian Windhorst was talking about. He has to prove that he's not a distraction from a non-basketball standpoint and simply an incredible basketball player. It means it depends what we mean here by distraction. I agree with you, right? Like if we're talking about 
pressure to win a championship, then I actually don't think it's Kyrie Irving by any means that has the most pressure to win a championship. No, 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 not at all. There's several other players I would put on that list. And also with Kyrie, like he's never the number one on the team, right? Like a fantastic player. I know NBA heads will tell you uh, easily one of the most talented players in the entire league. But he's not the number one. The onus is on KD or the onus is on LeBron when Kyrie's around. So I won't put the pressure on him in terms of delivering a championship. I don't think that matters for him. I think what matters for him is what you're suggesting. His commitment to basketball. His commitment to showing up. His attitude as a professional. And you just saw him make an appearance in the Drew League. I mean, he didn't show up to that. Now, given he was doing some other stuff, some other work with kids, but... Maybe make them aware that you've changed your mind and you're not going to show up to participate in that Drew League, but that's just Kyrie. That's how Kyrie sort of operates and functions, and that's See, always the can, concern. He, but I gotta, I'm going to interrupt you here, Amber. That's the thing. He can't do things the Kyrie way that he's done it in mm-hmm. the past. He's got to change that. He can't say, okay, I'm going to beat to my own drum and everybody else has got to find my rhythm too. No, those days are done. Kyrie does not have – he does not have that same power – that same clout to be able to do it because the best he, he's got to clean up his image. His image needs repaired, and it's only Kyrie Irving can fix that. Yes, it, it's exactly an image issue, and that is what it is because it's not a basketball issue. It's not a talent issue, right? I mean, nobody doubts how good he is. That's what's so weird about what's happened here with Kyrie Irving. There's no market for Kyrie Irving, which is why he ends up opting into his deal. And the Nets called his bluff. The Nets weren't willing to give him the extension. And the reason that there ends up being no market for Kyrie Irving, frankly, has nothing to do with basketball itself. Because if we're just talking basketball, then there's a multitude of teams that should be interested and should have been, even before he opted in, interested in Kyrie Irving. But we've seen where this has gone. Even now, where we assume that he's probably available for trade, that doesn't seem like there's a market for that. I mean, it maybe the Lakers and maybe the Lakers will end up poning up what they need to do to move that Westbrook contract in exchange for Kyrie. But they've even been apprehensive about attaching a draft pick in order to do that. And one of the reasons is because, yes, you've seen that guy stand next to that guy on our team and win a championship in Cleveland. But you're still concerned that that guy's actually going to stand next to that guy again in order to try to win a championship. And that's the problem with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, uh, com- completely right. And, you know, you, you made the point about Kyrie doesn't face a lot. He doesn't have the most pressure as far as winning championship. I got to say his current, because we're talking about today and we know things could change, his current teammate, Kevin Durant, has more pressure in winning an NBA title than Kyrie does because KD has yet to win the title without Steph, Clay, and Draymond on his team. So from that standpoint, there's more pressure. Uh, uh, pre- Kyrie's pressure from the standpoint of can he be focused strictly on basketball and not making Instagram live videos where he's, you know, bad mouthing other people or making jokes about things in that situation? Are you surprised the lack of teams interested in Kyrie? A little bit because of where we're at with that Kyrie Irving talent. I mean, I have to admit that it is a little surprising. I don't know if that conversation changes if we get into the season. Uh, if teams start reevaluating their situations uh, when they're trying to march their way towards a championship, maybe they just don't want to take on that entire player option that he picked up. I don't have it in front of me. You know, it's it's well over $30 million on the books this season, so maybe that's part of the problem there with Kyrie Irving. I have been surprised at the lack of rumors out there that we have been hearing, 
But it again, it goes to that reputation with Kyrie. I agree with you. In terms of winning a championship, KD's got to do one of those. Uh, it, it, we have no questions in terms of KD with professionalism and how good he is at basketball, but that winning thing, being able to do it without those guys in Golden State, that would certainly help the conversation around Kevin Durant's greatness. I do think James Harden has pressure on him, actually. I don't agree with you uh, when you said that you didn't necessarily think James Harden had the pressure. I think James Harden has pressure. I think Joel Embiid has pressure. I think those two have pressure to actually win a championship now in Philadelphia and maybe Harden doing this with his contract, leaving some money on the table is going to help facilitate a championship. Coming up next, Kyler Murray gets a new deal and the guy he replaced gets a new team. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo will not end up in a Cleveland Browns uniform after all, even if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a significant period of time. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Mike Wells filling in for the guys. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So we have found out through our very own Adam Schefter, Mike Wells, that Cleveland is signing former first-round pick Josh Rosen to a one-year deal, per sources. Despite spending time with five other NFL teams, Rosen is only 25 years old, and those who have been around him believe that he is ready to prove that he belongs in the league. Josh Rosen, it's hard to imagine that he isn't being signed to be a backup at this point. We did know from Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, she told us last week, that, hey, they're looking at signing a backup for Jacoby Brissett. That's what they're focused on, not somebody to unseat Jacoby Brissett. It feels like this Josh Rosen move to me. I feel sorry for the Cleveland Browns, you know, once um, the punishment is handed down to Deshaun Watson because you're staring at a quarterback room of Jacoby Brissett and Josh Josh Rosen. And Josh Dobbs. And, for, and Josh Dobbs, yes. And Amber, unfortunately, you've had to watch two of those quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Josh Rosen. I have. I've and had Jacoby the pleasure Brissett. in Miami. In in Miami, hey, that's what you get for living in that that that, that beautiful city. <laughs> you got to have a downfall somewhere. But man, the the Browns, from a roster standpoint, they have so many pieces, you know, that they can work with, and the talent there with Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb, guys there that could help them be a playoff team with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Watson is not expected to play. He's expected to miss some time next season. So you're stuck up. You're stuck with 
a journeyman, journeyman quarterback in Jacoby Brissett, who's proven that he's not a long-term starter, a guy who was traded after one year in Arizona and Josh Rosen, and Josh Dobbs. God, Cleveland, I feel for you. You can't feel for Cleveland, though. I mean, Cleveland Man. put themselves in that, this position. Yes, that is true, what happens true. when you trade for the dude who, at one point, <laughs> had 25 <laughs> pending civil actions filed true, against true, him, true. alleging sexual misconduct and sexual assault. And I know that's not what you were doing there, but I'm just no, saying, no. Like, I, I, def- I, I definitely was. I definitely was not feeling sorry for them from the Deshaun Watson standpoint. I feel sorry for him for having those guys playing quarterback if, if i'm nick Chubb, nick chubb i'm like give me the ball 40 times a game so those guys don't have to throw any passes because if they had to throw the football we are gonna be so so messed up banking on them to make a pass down the field i think we're, who you can feel sorry for is the fans that are that are that are about to have to watch this right i play out a quarterback because a lot of people were hopeful i think in cleveland we've been talking about it over the last week, hey, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo would be a fit there. Then we find out yesterday from Adam Schefter that Jimmy Garoppolo has been cleared there to go ahead and start seeking a trade. Maybe the Cleveland Browns would be interested in doing that if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a significant period of the season. And it appears by this move to me that that's off the table. And maybe the Browns weren't interested in, in trading away an asset. Maybe this is an indication that the Cleveland Browns feel like that Deshaun Watson is not going to be suspended for an entire season. Oh, I don't know if we should read behind between the lines there. And if he's not suspended for an entire season, they don't want to give something up or they don't want to take a $27 million cap hit against their books if they were to go ahead and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and if the 49ers weren't willing to help out with any of that salary. I, I don't know if this means anything more, frankly, than just, hey, Brissett's our starter. And this is what we're committed to doing this season. We feel like Jacoby's good enough, even if Watson's out for 10 games or an entire season or whatever that punishment might end up looking like. We're cool with rocking with Jacoby Brissett as long as we feel like we have a viable backup in Josh Rosen. I don't even know if Rosen's a viable backup, Mike Wells, but this but is the situation. Hey, don't give, Ro- don't give Rosen that much credit now, Amber, that he's a viable backup. We can't, we can't, give, we can't give him that much credit off of it. Uh, I, I don't know what the Cleveland Browns are doing. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what their thought process through this whole situation is. And, and you know, going from getting Deshaun Watson and not getting a guy that you think could be a starter for, you know, you know, 10, 12 games, maybe the entire season, if necessary, Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entire year. Um, it, it, it's just, it's, it's not a pretty situation in Cleveland, but again, it's the Cleveland Browns. So what do we expect? I guess what do we expect? Listen, this is the situation that Cleveland put itself in. The second it traded for Deshaun Watson. You had to have known when you traded for that guy that you might find yourself in a position without a starting quarterback or a viable starting quarterback this season. And they were willing to take that risk because, let's be real, that Deshaun Watson deal, it ain't just about this season. Everybody's so worried about this season with the Browns, and I get it. They're a really good team. You don't want them to waste a season. But at the same time, that Deshaun Watson deal, at Deshaun Watson's age, because we forget how young he still is in his mid-20s, that deal is about the future of the Cleveland Browns as much as it's about this season. So I guess the Browns have decided that, hey, even if it's somewhat of a lost season because we're rocking with Brissett 
and we're lock rocking now with Rosen for the majority of the season. We're willing to take that hit in order to know that Deshaun Watson is going to be our quarterback for years to come after that. So that is the situation it appears in the Cleveland Browns. It does affect that situation out in San Francisco, maybe a little bit. It didn't ever seem like the Browns were actually interested. I mean, all the reports were that they were not interested in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe that was never a reality. It was just a reality on our on our air because we <laughs> like to throw things around here on sports radio. It's what we do, of course. But where is a reality now, Mike Wells, for Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, the market is tough. Are there teams out there that you think we're not thinking about? Like the Tennessee Titans, for example, not given they paid Ryan Tannehill a whole boatload of money and he's locked in for years but you and I were talking about during our ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days. We broke down the Titans a little bit earlier in the show. You can check out the podcast. We were talking about how neither of us are sold on Ryan Tannehill, and yet the rest of that team and that coaching staff, we are sold on. What about the Houston Texans? There you go. That's they, interesting. They, I, mean, I mean, listen, they um, they just traded away Deshaun Watson. They have to, they have to find a guy. Um, you know, one, one thing I'm curious about is, and I haven't seen it yet, is – why did the San Francisco 49ers wait so long to give Jimmy Garoppolo an opportunity to seek a trade? Well, you I know, think some of it has to do with the with the shoulder. He wasn't cleared to throw until like a week ago or, or whatnot, and apparently just short passes. So we weren't even seeing him out there throwing. I, I'm guessing that limited the market, that teams Man, maybe that, weren't that, calling that is, as that much is, as that, otherwise. That, that has put Jimmy G in a tough spot because, like, you know, like Kimberly Martin and, you know, Mike Tannenbaum have all alluded to when we talked to him is, is that the market, the market has completely dwindled. Mm-hmm. It, it, we, we're, we're a week away from training camp. We've had the entire offseason. You talk about being in a tough spot having that, that shoulder surgery right after the season because teams are going to scream Andrew Luck and know that, okay, there's no guarantee you're going to get back out there and throw a football. Luck missed the entire 2017 season after having shoulder surgery. Jimmy Garoppolo had to prove that, A, he can get healthy, B, and he can throw a football, and now he may just be stuck. The 49ers can't have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, Amber, because he's going – Trey Lance will be – it's going to be a challenge for Trey Lance to be a starting quarterback, but to be looking over his shoulder – and wondering, okay, every time I throw an interception, are people going to be screaming, Jimmy G, Jimmy G? Right. And the veteran players are going to be saying, man, Jimmy G wouldn't have made that throw. So they can't have him on the roster once week one of the regular season gets around. Yeah, that's you want us a conference championship. Like, you don't want him breathing over your shoulder mm-hmm. if you're truly trying to turn over the team. But you're right, at this point in the offseason, it's a difficult feat to go ahead and try to trade him because most teams don't need have needs. And then even when you throw out, like, a Texans team, right, who, they yes, they'll be looking for a quarterback potentially if Davis Mills doesn't work out in another year as they're building towards the future. Maybe they'll look at Jimmy Garoppolo then if he's available as a free agent. But they're probably not going to bother to trade anything away from him now because it wouldn't make any difference to them in terms of winning. Winning isn't going to come no matter who's under center for the Texans now because they're in a rebuild mode still after the departure here of Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot of teams like that that, yes, maybe the need looks like it's there, but you're talking about a one-year rental initially with Jimmy Garoppolo if you're not willing to pony up the money on the back end to hand him a new deal. Coming up next, let's ask another quarterback who once backed up Tom Brady where Jimmy Garoppolo could land on this latest news. Now Josh Rosen, the backup, it appears, in Cleveland. That's next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Amber Wilson and Mike Wells filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. We are taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Mike Wells NFL. So we have been breaking down the breaking news in the NFL over the last 24 hours. But let's bring in some help for all things NFL. Matt Castle, of course, Pro Bowl quarterback. He's joining us here on Canty and Carlin. And Matt, I don't know if you just heard, but the breaking news over the last hour is that Josh Rosen has signed with the Cleveland Browns. So it appears the Browns now are solidified at quarterback. Some people had that as a potential landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. Doesn't seem like they're going to go that direction. What is the best landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo now that he's up for trade? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, for me, the best spot for Jimmy Garoppolo would be to stay as a 49er, to be honest with you. But I know that there's a a lot of issues with that right now. And and there's a lot of complications when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo's situation in general, primarily because of the injury at the end of the season and the rehab and everything that's going on right now, even going into camp, whether or not he's going to be ready to play. And then also, if you do trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, that that team that he's going to potentially go to, they have to have that in the back of their minds as well. Well, Will he be able to compete during camp? How quickly will he be able to absorb and digest a brand-new playbook before they start season to put him in the best position to be successful as well as the team? I mean, you, you, you hear constantly Seattle might be a potential landing spot because of G- Geno Smith, Drew Locke. I'm sure they're not sold and their confidence level isn't sky high for guys like that. But when you look at a situation like that, Jimmy G, if they trade for him, I mean, his salary this year is $25 million and they're really – they're stuck in terms of available cap space at about 17, so it would have to be one of those situations where they release Jimmy Garoppolo and he signs there. So it becomes a lot more complicated, I think, just due to his injury and what's going on. And then for the 49ers, it really comes down to how Trey Lance has progressed this offseason. And I know that they really like him. He's got great upside. He's got a strong arm. He can do all the different things. However, are they willing to go through the growing pains with a second-year quarterback that didn't have a lot of playing time last year with a team that was in the NFC Championship game and has potential to go even further this year with the right guy pulling the trigger? You made an interesting comment at the beginning, Matt. You said, you know, you think you know potentially the best landing spot would be for Jimmy G to stay in San Francisco, which is kind of the opposite of what some people say. Some people say that could have Trey looking over his shoulder. Why do you think – keeping Jimmy G would be best for him to stay in San Francisco. Well, the thing for Jimmy G, look, if they're going to go with Trey Lance and they're completely sold, I understand that everybody's like, yeah, get him out of that situation. Let him go play somewhere else. 
But the, when I say, particularly for Jimmy G, for a guy that's had so much success for that organization that he's taken him to a Super Bowl, he was in the NFC Championship game last year, he had Trey Lance looking over his shoulder, and he knew the implications of if he faltered at any point in the season, then they were going to put him in. However, Jimmy handled it as calm as anybody could possibly handle it, handle it in that type of competitive environment and went out there week in and week out and put – put that team in a position to be successful. And so when I say that, look, he knows that system. He knows Kyle Shanahan's system. He's had a lot of success in it. And, and so he, he's familiar with their personnel. They've got a lot of the guys still coming back. They've got a good offensive line, a good defensive line. And, again, for me, I would say for Jimmy G, if he was able to stay there and go out and play within that same system, he'll still continue to have success like he has as long as he stays healthy. And that's been a big issue for him is his health over his tenure with the 49ers. Matt Castle, Pro Bowl quarterback, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Mike Wells filling in for the guys. So the problem I see, Matt, with your idea there isn't from the Jimmy G perspective. I understand what you're doing. It's from the Trey Lance perspective, where if they're really trying to turn over the keys to the kingdom and you have a quarterback sitting behind you that had the success with that franchise that Jimmy G has had, could that tear a young player down mentally when every time he makes a mistake, he's concerned, hey, they're going to go ahead and bench me again for Jimmy G? Right. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the really difficult situation that you're put in as a coaching staff is to make that decision. Because, like I said, if they're, you're sold on Trey Lance, you have to make that decision, and I would say immediately get rid of Jimmy G because you don't want that young quarterback to be worried about his position and his job security just due to the fact that he went out and had a stretch of two or three bad games where he played inconsistently through some interceptions. And you know right behind you is a guy that's won a lot of games for this organization. And also within the locker room, in terms of the locker room and having Trey Lance be the guy, he has to be seen as the focal point. And the guys can't start questioning when he does falter or if he falters that, hey, why aren't we playing Jimmy G? So I understand that perspective all altogether. I think from my perspective and ta- answering that question for Jimmy G, what would be the best situation right now where he could go in and be at his best? It would be within a system. But for the organization moving forward for Trey Lance and his situation, absolutely it would be without the, the, the pressure of having a guy like Jimmy G there in the quarterback meetings on the sidelines, understanding that, hey, if you falter, they can always turn back to a guy that's had a lot of success. Hey, Matt, you spent the first few years of your NFL career with the New England Patriots. They announced recently that to their coaching staff without an offensive coordinator. Um, are you surprised that, that they are now that obviously with Josh, Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas coaching Raiders that they're going with a no OC title or is, does that not even matter really? It really doesn't matter. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to my rookie year in 2005 when Charlie Weiss left and went to Notre Dame and Josh McDaniels took over the reins. And really, he was our OC. However, they never named him. They never gave him the title before the season. So it was a collaboration. Look, we had our offensive line, Dante Skarnekian, and he would handle protections. He'd handle run game. Um, you know, Brian Dayball was there as a wide receiver coach, and he and Josh McDaniels would put together, and they're kind of more of the pass game coordinator. And then you had Ivan Fierce, our running back coach, who was also a bit, had a big hand in terms of the run game, what was being called, and everything else. So it was kind of by committee, and that's how they did it back in 2005, and it worked out even without having the OC title. Now, at the end of the day, 
one of those guys, while they might not give him the OC title, whether it's Matt Patricia, whether it's Joe Judge, they have to be the front man when, when speaking to the team, when meeting as an offensive unit, and they'll figure that out and how that will go. But, you know, when you're, when you're going through a course of the season, right, and you're breaking down run game, right, a lot of times the offensive line coach will step up and describe the run game, the different fronts, the check with me's that you're going with. As you get to the pass game, it'll be more detail-oriented toward whoever's running the wide receiver position and handling the quarterback. So, again, they've always kind of done it that way in terms of, you know, do it by committee and more collaborative approach by just in terms of an offensive staff. And I went through it in 2005, and it didn't seem to have – a big, it wasn't a big issue for anybody on that team in terms of dealing with, hey, nobody has the OC title. Who, who are we? They, everybody within that locker room knew that Josh McDaniels was our OC. Well, either way, there's going to be new, a new voice, we know, in Mac Jones's ear because, of course, Josh McDaniels is, as you guys have both mentioned, in Las Vegas. What do you make of Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels, of their connection? How do you see that playing out in Las Vegas? I've got the utmost respect for Josh McDaniels. I played my first four years in the NFL with Josh McDaniels, and he's just an, he's an incredible coach, and he does such a great job of scheming defenses, scheming plays for success. He takes advantage of players' strengths, and he plays to those strengths rather than, you know, there's a lot of coaches that, hey, we're going to call a play, and this is what we do, and this is how we're going to do it. No, instead of that, he's going to put those those guys, those wide receivers in the Mac Jones, I mean, excuse me, not Mac Jones, and Derek Carr, and those guys in a position to be successful game game in and game out. The other thing I'll say about Josh McDaniels is he's a great teacher. He had the experience of being a head coach with the Denver Broncos, and I'm sure he learned a lot from that and what what he did want to do, what he doesn't want to do. He's had time to mature and grow as a coach, and now he's going to have another opportunity, and they've got a ton of weapons there. And Derek Carr's got to be excited with not only what they did from bringing in Josh McDaniels, but then when you look at what they did this offseason bringing in Devontae Adams, and now you match him up with Hunter Renthrow, Darren Waller. I mean, they've got an incredible cast of characters there for them to go out and get after people with. Pro Bowl quarterback Matt Castle. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Have a great one, you guys. You too. Coming up next, there is only one way to close out the show. It's what we always do here on Canteen Carlin. We've got to go three and out, including another sign that Gronk might actually be really retired this time, allegedly. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. In the midst of SEC Media Days this week, and there's, of course, all sorts of sound coming out of SEC Media Days. It was in Atlanta this year, Mike Wells, and maybe nothing more disturbing than the image and sound that we got of the Kentucky quarterback, Will Levis, putting mayonnaise in his coffee. I don't know if you've seen this. This video is atrocious. Now, this is the same Will Levis who reportedly eats bananas with the peel on, which made news a while back. So I guess at SEC Media Day, somebody asked him, what other weird stuff do you do? And he said, well, I put mayonnaise in my coffee. And now i got to be honest with you, Mike Wells, I feel like Will Levis is just trying to go viral. Because attention seeker. Attention. Listen, if he's, if, if he's thirsty for attention, throw some touchdowns and lead Kentucky to an SEC title. But mayonnaise, I saw that video, and my stomach started started turning off of that. First of all, I don't like coffee. I can't stand coffee. I don't, I don't get the uh, fad with it. Uh, but now to add mayonnaise to it, which 
I don't eat mayonnaise too. So that's I'm all for two there on both of those things. I hate mayonnaise and I hate coffee. Right. Yeah. You hating coffee is an atrocity. I'm not a mayonnaise person either, but I think that's also because I'm always like eating healthy and trying to be healthy and all that crud. <laughs> uh, that's probably why I'm not a mayonnaise person. I love coffee. The marriage of these two products, though, is completely unnecessary. And I understand it's like a dairy type of product, so it's creamy in nature. I guess that's why it seems. There's no okay. dairy and mayo. It's eggs well, and it's, oil. I said kind of product. You're right. It is eggs and oil at its pure purest form. Although some people consider eggs dairy, but now we're getting off onto a tangent here about what actually constitutes dairy because there's some weird definitions there in the food period. But nevertheless, mayo should not be in coffee. Period. Nothing should be. Who's with me? I want coffee in coffee. I like my coffee black. There should be nothing in coffee. Which is also weird by you. Because I, I just think people who drink their coffee black. Like, are you trying to prove a point that you're tougher than all the rest of us? Wait, what, what, do like drink, what do you drink in it? What do I? How do I drink my coffee? Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on the season. It depends. I mean, you know. Oh, my. Shake Here we go. With oat milk, you know, instead of regular milk. No okay, classic Pum- syrup. Miss Pumpkin la- Latte. Vanilla. What it do, Starbucks? You See, know? I like that 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 iced uh, shaken espresso. It it tastes like I'm drinking coffee ice cream, so I, I can rock with that's you. That's why that. you get the no classic syrup uh, in it, so it's a slightly less sweet, also far less calories. Nevertheless, <laughs> I will take coffee just about anyway. I rarely met a coffee I don't like, except for black coffee, because you know I have taste buds, and uh, that's important in coffee drinking. And you got to add something creamy, just not mayonnaise. We are coming down the stretch here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Mike Wells, we've been hanging out with you. You can always find us on Twitter at Amber W Sports at Mike Wells NFL. We have had an action-packed show today. There's been lots of breaking news to break down over the last 24 hours. Kyla Murray got paid uh, half million dollars over the course of five years. It includes $160 million guaranteed. It makes Murray the second highest paid quarterback when you look at his per annual at $46.1 million per year. That is second only to the Aaron Rodgers, whose per looks like $50.3 million per year. Kirby Smart, the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, he also got paid 10 years, $112.5 million. That makes him the highest paid coach in all of college football, significantly higher uh, than even the great Nick Saban. So maybe Nick needs to renegotiate his deal uh, in his 70th year here of life as as he is navigating a new landscape in college football in the face of NIL and conference expansion. Also, we know that James Harden, he worked out his deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a one-and-one type deal. He left about 15-odd million dollars on the table by restructuring his deal with them. It's $68.6 million overall. He'll make $33 million this year instead of the $47.4 million that he would have made had he opted into his contract. So we've had a lot of help on today's show breaking down all of that. Mike Tannenbaum stopped by ESPN's NFL front office insider. Quentin Richardson 
stopped by as well to help us break down the NBA. Of course, the former NBA player, Amon Green, another former athlete, of course, played for the Green Bay Packers. He stopped by to help us with ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days, where we break down two teams for you each and every day. We unpack the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans for you today. If you missed any of it, just check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Kimberly A. Martin stopped by to help us deal with all things Kyler Murray and this new contract and what it means for the NFL. And Matt Castle also stopped by the former Pro Bowl quarterback to talk all things NFL. And now, after all of that, it is time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out. So, Mike, last week at Miami Swim Week, which is a very big deal, uh, a microphone was put in front of Gronk's girlfriend, because obviously a very famous model, Gronk's girlfriend, a very famous swimsuit model. So Sports Illustrated put a mic in front of her and asked her, is Gronk coming back to football or is he really retired? And she essentially said, it's hard to believe he's really retired. She was very honest. She called herself an honest lady, and she was very transparent. Then her boyfriend, Rob Gronkowski, he went on, I think it was Good Morning America yesterday, and he said, no. Oh, I, I'm really retired. But I have to tell you, it wasn't the most emphatic soundbite I've ever heard. He said, like, I'm not retired. I'm just retired from football, but I've got these other business ventures that I really enjoy. He kind of talks his way around it, but he says, I'm not coming back to football. Fine. Well, now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed somebody to replace him. Tom Brady has a new tight end target in Tampa. Former Vikings and Giants veteran Kyle Rudolph is signing a one-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, according to our very own Adam Schefter. Does this make you believe that Rom Gronkowski is right, his girlfriend is wrong, he is actually retired? As long as Kyle Rudolph stays healthy. The moment Kyle Rudolph suffers an injury and all of a sudden Gronk picks up his phone and says, oh boy, it's TB12 calling me. I got to come out of retirement. As long as the Buccaneers have their tight end, as Rudolph is healthy, Rob Gronkowski is retired and able to enjoy life and have fun. And it looks like he has a lot of fun right now. This does give me pause that, hey, like they've moved on, which, yes, you sign who you can now because there's no guarantee that he is coming back. But a lot of people feel like with Gronk that he's just retired, air quotes, because first of all, we've seen this before, right? Him take time off from football. But then also he's retired because he doesn't want to go through the rigmarole of training camp and kind of all the nonsense and maybe takes the first part of the season easy I think them signing Rudolph though I mean he's viable uh, he's a viable option outside of Gronkowski so maybe hey maybe they won't need him maybe he really is in fact retired the New England Patriots have finally announced coaching staff positions except for we have no idea who their offensive coordinator is Mike Wells we do not know in Mac Jones second year who is going to be calling plays in Mac Jones ears is it going to be Joe Judge is it going to be Matt Patricia Maybe Bill himself is going to be calling those plays. What do you make of this? Uh, you know what? I, I it, It's simple, Amber. It's the Patriot way. Ugh. They do what they want to do, however they want to do it, however Big Bill says we're going to do it. And I think we've realized that the Patriots aren't like any other team. And they, they don't have to be. They've had a lot of they had a lot of success with Tom Brady. They helped to have it with Mac Jones. I'm not making a big deal about it. I'm not surprised just because of that's how they operate out there. And I've covered enough players who are former Patriots to know that. It's the Patriot way. It was a lot cuter 
when they had number 12 than it is right now, frankly. I mean, I don't know what the competitive disadvantage would be if they had named, you know, Matt Patricia a OC instead of O-line coach or football advisor. I mean, it's such it's such silliness to me, frankly. Uh, but it feels like Matt Patricia being defensive guy, Joe Judge special teams, like none of these people are qualified really to be OC. So maybe Bill's going to be calling plays himself. Finally, on the way out here quickly, Mike, Charles Barkley, he told the New York Post that he's going to play in the next live event during the Poriam portion and expects an offer soon to be part of their broadcast. So that story is still developing. Is he still going to be part of TNT? What's happening? Is Charles just going after the bag? Everybody loves Barkley. Is he going to get caught up in the live smoke? So get your money, Chuck. Hey, uh, it seems like he might be going after that money. This has been Canty and Carlin with Amber Wilson and Mike Wells, Spain and Fitz next.